You're listening to Film School, broadcasting every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time at KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California, and on the web at KUCI.org slash filmschool. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. One of the most celebrated documentaries of the past year, Sierra Leone's Refugee All-Stars, tells the remarkable story of an inspiring group of musicians who form a band while living in a West African refugee camp. Set against the backdrop of a brutal civil war, the film details the group's heroic stories of survival and their daily struggle to keep hope and music alive. Among its awards, Sierra Leone's Refugee All-Stars won the Grand Jury Prize at the AFI Fest and the Audience Award at the Miami International Film Festival. With us today is Zach Niles, the film's co-director and producer. Zach Niles, welcome to Film School. Well, thank you very much. How, how are you doing today? I'm doing, I'm doing great. I'm back in my home state of Vermont for a little visit. So oh, very good. Well. Family back there? Is that what, what's going on, or just having fun with friends? got family back here, and I'm actually on my way to go visit our, our cameraman on the film. just had a, a newborn baby, oh. and uh, so I'm heading... That's <laughs> wonderful. The camera work was very nice. I really enjoyed the way he's... You know, he framed things up. The color was beautiful, and, and the movement of the film was great. Did you have a good communication with him all the way through? Yeah, you know, um, so Banker and I, Banker's the, the other co-director, and, and uh-huh. he and I really, you know, it was sort of our baby. And, you know, it started out with Banker and I going over to Guinea, you know, just the two of us, actually, and our, and our uh, musical director, Chris Vellen. Uh-huh. Banker had made some student films before he was a photographer, I didn't have any kind of history with it, but we bought two cameras, literally reading the manual for the cameras on the way over. We spent nearly a month over there searching out. We had been playing concerts in different refugee camps, sort of searching out um, musicians and different people. And we had taken some beautiful stuff. And just to be very honest, my stuff was not the beautiful stuff. Banker has it kind of just had a natural eye for it, but we had no idea how to put a story together visually at that time. Uh Um, and then our, our friend, Andy Mitchell, who is a cameraman for National Geographic, who I'm going to go see right now, came for about a month and bought us, just gave us a crash course in visual storytelling. And, you know, the place is, is just so beautiful. The colors are so vibrant as it is. And, you know, I, I have to give a lot of credit to Banker for capturing that. We were flailing without um, a little bit of professional guidance. But thank you. I appreciate it. I, I, I'm really pleased with it, especially, you know, we were on PD-150, you know, mini-DV cams, and I really think that it, it came out. I get a lot of comments about how gorgeous it came out. Uh-huh. Yeah, I want to ask a, uh, just sort of a minutiae question. Uh, there's a shot near the beginning of the film in which the musicians are, I think, in their very first rehearsal. And, uh-huh. and it's shot in natural light obviously very low light it's just very well done is now who who's responsible for that that is banker um, okay Did a nice that job. was we knew we had about 10 minutes of of battery time left you know and that's one of the biggest challenges of of you know people always ask you know was it hard to, to mm-hmm. film and and all this stuff in africa and I think they expect, you know, the danger factor yeah, and all right. that stuff as the answer. But, you know, we're always like, well, keeping batteries charged is probably one of the <laughs> hardest things that we think. <laughs> that was just one kerosene lamp. And then, you know, we, we collected our, like, various headlamps and things like that to try and give as much light as we could. But that was sort of failing us. And Banker really, I think, really captured the food really beautifully there. 
somehow the audio came out great as well. I mean, it was sort of one of those serendipitous nights, I think. Yeah, he, he captured the, the sense of sort of the bond that these people had, too. One, yeah, just one camera in that whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Now, this project started in a mud hut in Guinea? Guinea, West Africa. How did you get there? We had had this idea for a film, you know, to, to tell uh, a story about, you know, one of the things, Banker had, had both time in West Africa and had kind of fallen in love with 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 the place with you know we had made some great friends we we really fell in love with the music as well and and the idea kind of came about from our inability to get across to people you know the beauty of the place the humanity the people and and you know the bond that we we had made with different friends I think all people in the West are really exposed to are, are just the negative images, you know, whether it's poverty, famine, or brutal civil wars. The kernel of the idea for the film came from trying to tell a story that didn't shy away from some of those realities, but also instead also celebrated the human spirit, this creativity, a different story, you know, one that had inspiration and positivity and, and created connection as opposed to just these things that just make you feel how different somebody else is. So, so that kind of came as the kernel of the idea. And we, we talked about it for a long time as working with refugees. When a population gets displaced, you know, how they go about not only keeping their, their hope alive, as, as, you know, we write, but also, you know, their culture, trying to pass on their culture to their to children who are born in refugee camps and trying to keep that alive within the refugee situation. We had this idea. We talked about it for, for many years. We found somebody at the U.N. Refugee Agency who who was, you know, passionate about using refugee culture as a way to sort of pass messages about refugees and to help refugees kind of deal with their trauma. So we kind of sent this email off to him. Uh, he was in East Timor at the time, and he wrote back and said, I love it. I'll meet in Guinea in about a month and a half. And uh, Banker and I sort of had to swallow hard, and I quit a job, and Banker, uh, wow. we packed well, our credit cards and did that whole thing and met him in Guinea. Now, uh, let me ask you, did you know the particular people that you were going to be focusing on before you got there? We did not know about them. Um, we spent, uh, Guinea holds uh, refugees from, from the civil wars, in, or held at that time, refugees from the civil wars in Sierra Leone, Liberia, and Ivory Coast. Um, and the idea that we had, and we had worked with this with the guy from the UN Refugee Agency, was that we would go. We brought instruments. The guy from the UN is, an, is a musician, banker, and Chris Bellin and myself are musicians. And then, uh, and we got a couple of local guys, and we we would literally go into refugee camps for a full month. We went to, I, I think, like nine different refugee camps. There, there was some footage uh, at one point in the film uh, of the civil war that was going on. That was just horrendous. What, what did not the uh, actual footage, but what was going on in the footage. There's some some very violent scenes. Uh, did you have problems getting hold of that, or how did you get that uh, particular footage? Is it easy, uh, easily accessible? It's not easily accessible. There was really only one uh, at that time. This, that was when the rebels had actually entered the capital city of Freetown, and mm-hmm. um, there was one Sierra Leonean journalist who... Most of the journalists, all, any of the foreign journalists at that point, had uh, had evacuated. This one one Sierra Leonean was still in the country, and and he actually he put out a film that was actually on CNN called Cry Freetown. Mm-hmm. Um, he was he was actually captured by, I believe, first rebels and then and then the peacekeeping troops. And for some reason they allowed him to film everything. And I think you know I think the rebels yeah, they felt like they were movie stars or some sort of twisted psychology going on there. The peacekeepers probably thought that it would show how 
good they were or what good they were doing or whatever it might be. For whatever reason, they actually allowed him to film quite a bit. The footage has been bootlegged and it's available like on the streets of Freetown because it's been bootlegged, but he doesn't license it like freely. We were really honored when he allowed us to license it. We contacted his company and, uh, and I think he appreciated sort of the spirit with which we were using it and the spirit which the film was taking as opposed to kind of, uh, you know, what I think the general sort of more negative spin that people put on, on it. Well, it, it just shows what the refugees had to overcome in, in, in such a way that it really, uh, it really leaves a mark on your psyche. We're speaking with Zach Niles, and the film is the Sierra Leone Refugee All-Stars. You've been on the circuit, on the uh, festival circuit with the film, um, and it did very well. Where is it available? It's available from our website, of course, refugeeallstars.org. Okay. Um, the DVD is available. With uh, We just finished it. We, we got a distribution deal. Well, we first were out on POV, on the PBS presentation, POV, and then we also made a deal with Red Envelope Entertainment, um, the Netflix distribution company, uh, and uh, Docurama. So we have it out on DVD now. It's in, in stores everywhere. And we, it, was all, it was great for us to be able to... We, we had 300 hours of footage that we had to turn into this, you know, 89-minute film. Wow, so 300. To be honest, like, to be able to go back in, and we, we just... We really went to town with the special features, and that was, like, one of the most sort of freeing things, I think. The yeah. entire time we were cutting the film, we were like, okay, DVD special features, DVD yeah. special features, you know, like, <laughs> that kept us going. Yeah. Well, I, I uh, saw Refugee Rolling, which is a featurette you have on the DVD. Yeah. That was a real nice uh, addendum to everything that's going on because there's a fellow by the name of Muhammad in the film itself and you're not quite sure where he ends up. And in the featurette it explains that. Also, too, what's interesting is uh, that the, the rapper in the group in well, Refugee uh, Austin, Black Nature, Black Nature uh, filmed part of, of the Refugee Rolling only because uh, no one else could be in uh, with a Sierra Leone at the time. I think it was in Freetown. Yeah, Black Nature is a great, uh, amazing kid and, and- hugely creative and the entire time during production he was always asking to use our camera and stuff like that in fact even in the movie you see him using one of our cameras at at one point he's just a very creative guy and totally took to it now he's videoing his own uh, rap videos with his friends and (laughs) and stuff like that i do want to point out that as you were talking about the the the, uh, dvd is available for sale Uh, anyone who's interested in in buying it that one dollar will be contributed it's nine million dot org that's it the UN Refugee Agency initiative that, that goes to help that there's nine million refugee children in the world and it's and it's an initiative for raising money for education for for refugee children around the world and we were really thrilled our our um, red envelope was really got on board um, nine million actually came on as a co-producer later on in, in the film and red envelope got on board to really kind of behind the idea of supporting the fund and, and the spirit of the film you're all up on the uh, the new technologies too because they know at netflix they have instant viewing of this so if anybody right now is listening and they can't wait to see the film and they're tired of listening to us and want to see the film <laughs> they can go directly to netflix and watch it right now just just uh by searching for Sierra Leone's Refugee All-Stars. I want to focus a, a bit on the particular people in the film because they're very fascinating. All these people have some amazing stories. I mean, certainly they've been through hell and back. Their spirit, which comes across very well in the film, is just amazing. The, the remarkable resiliency of these people. Muhammad is the one that stands out for me. Can you tell a little bit about his story, what happened to him during the Civil War and what kind of things he's had to uh, overcome? Yeah, Mohammed is a very strong character. You know, when we first met him, he's a very intense guy, and you could, you felt he's missing part of his um, 
part of his hand, his uh, right hand. And uh, he, um, you know, we didn't know the story behind it. We didn't want to, you know, actually, our, our, the, the interview that you see in the film, the, yes. the kind of the, the real heavy one, was really kind of early on in getting to know him and, and us sort of feeling out what types of things we were, you know, able to sort of broach with with the with the different band members. Um, uh, he kind of he came right out and told us in, in very early on in the in, in the filming that um, he was forced uh, the, the rebels came to his his village um, they captured his his mom and his dad and his um, his older son and they he, they killed all of them in front of him and then they uh, they forced them um, to actually kill his his baby their newborn infant um, to actually beat his child. Um, who died, and then they chopped off his hand. So um, it's 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 one of those stories you can't even fathom it. No. Know? And I hear uh, you know it, it sometimes breaks my heart because I hear people say I, you know make, making judgments on Muhammad. In fact, that was one reason why we almost didn't include the story. But I just think you know these are like in, inhuman situations that people are being put in. Um, so so when the band the band goes and, and is able to go back to Freetown um, during the film just to see what it's like. Um, to see whether they want to return, they are able to, and they record an album, which incidentally is is available in stores everywhere. Um, We're playing but, it before and after your interview here, so. <laughs> but oh, thank you. Um, but uh, but you know, he is too traumatized really to go back, and, and at, at, during the filming, he wasn't sure that he would ever go back to Freetown, and um, and I'm you know I'm really pleased that uh, you know, he, he he represents something really strong within the band this kind of opposite of of another uh, man Arahim, who who was also amputated but um somehow had been able to kind of take a different spin on it and yeah. say that you know he'd be able to forgive um those who did that to him and, and um you know and I, you know that comes i suppose from a faith that comes from uh, you know i don't know he 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 also still has a family he's got his children are still with him and i think that that helps give him strength as well. So these two really bonded. They're, they really um, they help each other out a lot, and, but they also represent really polar opposite experiences and, and um, kind of lasting effects from the war. Well, it's, it's amazing after you hear some of their stories that they're able to even think about forgiving uh, in that situation. I mean, this has got to, they talk all the time about the trauma that they've gone through, and then to think on the other side of it, they have this... Uh, wonderful, resilient, uh, celebratory music that they're playing. And I, I think at one point he said that the music is to disoccupy the people, is to, to help yeah. them escape from where they are and, to, and to, to forget about what's happened in their lives and try and focus on the, uh, the present. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the just, I mean, when we met these guys, you know, I think music is universally like that. I mean, it is for me in my own, you know, mini, mini, Troubles, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know that that I personally go through, which are, you know, you, you know, obviously when you meet people like this, you kind of your troubles seem to melt away mm. in terms in relation. But um, you know, I just think that's one of those. That's you know, as people who are musicians and and music has meant a lot to everybody on on the production team. I think that you know to meet these guys and realize you know that this kind of this power of music to help kind of transcend where you are to. I just give voice. I mean, I think giving voice is something that it's always done. You know, whether you're looking at Bob Dylan or whoever it might be, you know, giving voice to people's problems or, or speaking out. But I think, you know, to really raise you up above where you're at and allow you to forget for a moment, you know, whether however long it might last for, but 
to be able to forget, to be able to dance. Um, you know, one time when the band was playing in the refugee camp, there was this old man who kind of was sitting in the corner, and he got up in the middle of their one of their songs and started dancing on the floor. And he was this really old guy, say in his seventies or something. And um, and the camp chairman um, came over to me and said, "This is the this is the first time he's been here for." five years and this is the first time I've ever seen him dance and he was out on the dance floor dancing and smiling to to the all-stars music and I think that that was such a uh, you know such a powerful moment to you know because it represents everything that that you know we believe in and that the all-stars have believe in and have fought for you know with their music Mm -hmm. I want to just back up by the way we're speaking with Zach Niles and he's with the co-director of the Sierra Leone Sierra Leone's refugee all-stars sorry I'm stumbling around today um, and that is that the arc of the story. I mean, you basically arrive in uh, in this refugee camp. You we get to know these musicians, and we follow them as they perform in different camps. We hear their backstory and what's happened to them and their families, and then we see them going to Freetown. I don't want to give all this. This is the basic. I just want to under people to understand that there's a journey uh, that is takes takes place here. And along the way, we get to see all the different permutations of what has happened to these people. But what comes across so well, and and such an important part of the film, is the resiliency of these people and how honestly they honestly they talk about their their situation. It really is remarkable, and and if for no other reason, people need to see just the sort of human spirit that these people exude. Yeah, the, I, you know, one of the things that we, that we often had commented on was was how open they were with us. Mm-hmm. Um, how think, did you get to that point? Well, I th- there was a number of things that I think created that. I mean, um, I think first of all, we we came in as I said, we had gone to all these different refugee camps as musicians. The All Stars were in the very last camp that we visited. Um, we literally came upon them as they were practicing in the same hut that you see in the film. And they were singing their song, Living Like a Refugee, It's Not Easy. And that was the first song we ever heard them sing. Yeah. They told us their name was a Refugee All-Stars, which we thought was just brilliant because it kind of takes like this idea of refugee and sort of turns it on its head and he's like, you know, Refugee All-Stars. Right, yeah. right, right. Uh, as soon as we met them, we're like, these are our guys. You know, this is, this is what we came here for. Um, and... But we introduced ourselves first as musicians. The first thing we did with them is we jammed with them. You know, we we set up a little... They sent out a guy to go get some gasoline. They brought in this rusty old generator, and they they cranked it up, and they they gathered, and the refugee camp kind of gathered around, and we played music with them. Um, And... And I think I really think that that was the first thing that was where when they we have this thing actually it's in the special features where Ruben says you know we've never had somebody come in here people come in here asking about our you know what we what we went through the what life as a refugee is like what, you know the kind of food that we eat and you know the trauma the war but nobody's ever come in here and asked us about our our music you know the yeah. fact that you actually came in and cared about our music and what we were doing um, and producing as opposed to just our our stories. You know, he's like, I know that only good things can come from that kind of a spirit. Yeah. Um, and and I think that that was really the first thing that kind of allowed this, this friendship and openness between us. You know, we were also new filmmakers, so um, I think they sensed in us, you know, we, we approached it as a collaboration. We didn't approach it as, you know, we learned with them in a certain way, you know, and, and I think they were aware of that, and I think that I think that also helped our relationship. Um and then the and then the other thing is that frankly I don't think people talk amongst themselves in the refugee camps. Um, yeah. They've all 
they've all experienced things that we can't even fathom, but they've all gone through it. And, and you're not, there's no, you know, the refugee agencies provide, you know, food, shelter, medicine, water, really important, you know, education, all these life-saving things. So there isn't, there isn't a lot of, like, psychological help that, that's given there. So I think to have people there actually asking you, you're not, you're not complaining to other refugees who have gone through the same thing. You're just sitting there talking to somebody who seems genuinely interested in your story. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think that, that you know, that's why I say, like, in the Muhammad interview, like the first, the first kind of real interview we had with him, he just kind of went, my name is Muhammad Kamara, this is my story. You know, yeah. and I think it's so important for them to be able to, to say it out loud and to talk about it. Well, I'm sure it was therapeutic for him, but certainly revelatory in the film. And uh, it was and, therapeutic for me to watch this going on and, yeah. and have this kind of beautiful music happening on the other end of all this. It's, uh, and, yeah. and then for them to uh, for them to talk about how they forgive the people who did yeah. these terrible things to them. It's a it's a it's a terrific film, um, Zach Niles. It's uh, it's available Netflix, and you can. Buy it online. You, there's a number of ways to get to it. Uh, we'll have a, a yeah, link. Yeah, that online is shoprefugeeallstars.com. And and uh, we'll, thank you very much uh, for the film and for coming here to uh, Weekly Signals to spend some time with us. Oh, I, I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. All right, take care. Take care. All the refugees who are living in this region will be... To learn more about Film School, listen to more interviews, or subscribe to our podcast, visit our website at KUCI.org slash filmschool.